Welcome back to the Reading for a Change podcast. This is a podcast from Moody Publishers, uh, where basically we take a look uh, at the books that are transforming our lives and shaping the world. Uh, This is season two. I can't believe it. We had eight episodes in season one. It feels like we just launched, and in some ways we did. Uh, But here we are on our second season. I'm really excited. My name is Drew Dick. Uh, I'm an editor at Moody Publishers, uh, also an author of a few books, including my latest book, Your Future Self Will Thank You, which is about self-control. I live in the Pacific Northwest uh, with my crazy three kids and my long-suffering saint of a wife, Grace. And uh, in the first episodes of this podcast, I went into a little more detail about myself Uh, including my exotic Canadian heritage. So if you're interested, you can go back and listen to those. Um, But uh, this is the start of our second season. So if you haven't listened to the first episodes, what's wrong with you? Go back and listen to them. No, I'm joking. If It's okay if you're jumping in now. I do uh, advise going back and listening to them all, of course, but I'm a little biased. But basically, this is the idea behind the podcast. It's pretty simple. We're having conversations with our favorite authors uh, about the books that they've written, uh, about books that they that they love, that have shaped them, and topics that we're passionate about and that they're passionate about. And as you can guess from the title of the podcast, we're very pro-reading. And I just think in a time where we're doing a lot of clicking and streaming um, and watching TV, how about some reading for a change? That's kind of where the, the, the title comes from. The theme for our second season is Loving and Serving Our Neighbors. So we're going to be talking to a lot of fascinating people about creative, interesting ways they have been able to love and serve their neighbors. And of course, neighbors isn't just like people who live next door to you. That can be people anywhere. Um, I am so excited to introduce you to an incredible author who will be serving as our co-host and for season one and um, for uh, as our guest today. Trillia Newbelt. Trillia is the author of a lot of books. She's an incredible author. I'll, I'll, I'll list a couple of them here. United, uh, Captured by God's Vision for Diversity. Our church actually worked through that one together. It's incredibly helpful. Uh, Fear and Faith is another book she's written. God's Very Good Idea, which is a kid's book. A lot of fun. Uh, if God is for Us, um, uh, which is a Bible study on Romans 8. Just a whole Bible study on one chapter, and it's incredible. And her most recent book is called Sacred Endurance. Truly, I want to welcome you. Thank you for being part of this. And I guess at the outset here, I just want to ask if you can tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Sure. Well, thanks so much for having me. First, I am uh, in the Nashville area. I am married to my husband, Thurn. We've been married for 16 years and we have two beautiful children. I am totally biased, but I do believe they're beautiful (laughs) and just (laughs) wonderful. I I love them. And, And then let's see, you said that I write, I enjoy... Uh, being outside. I'm never, I never know what to say in these introductions when they just say, Hey, tell us about yourself. It's kind of hard. (laughs) It's like, Whoa, where do I start? I was born in a little town, you know, (laughs) which is true. I was born in a little town called Rocky Mountain, North Carolina. But beyond that, I love to write and speak and serve the Lord through the work that I get to do through um, writing and, and this craft and what a joy it is to get to do this. That is awesome. And you said you've been married for 16 years. Yes. Okay. I've been married for 17 years. So if you need any marriage advice, 
<laughs> You've got one year up on me. Oh yeah, I'm a grizzled <laughs> veteran. Uh, <laughs> that that's awesome. And I, I'll say too, just for uh, uh, you listeners, you have to follow Trillia on social media if you don't already, because she's just a great follow. Really encouraging, really inspiring. Uh, I love the silly zany videos that you share too of you dancing with your kids and uh, all kinds of fun stuff. So highly recommend, especially on Twitter. Um, so Trillia, today um, I I wanted to interview you uh, at the outset here um, about being a writer and talking a little bit about that journey and what your process looks like because i think people are interested in that i know i am it's it's really interesting when you talk to writers and you say you know why do you write or how do you write there's so many different answers <laughs> right um, so i guess my first question is when did you kind of realize or, or sense that you wanted to be a writer you know, it's interesting because I would have sensed that I wanted to write, but I wouldn't have thought I would be writing books. So I, um, even in as early as high school, I would play with poetry and realize I was just no good at that. And, <laughs> and then I, I, I just, yeah, I have a real um, eye for research. And so I, where hmm. all the other students would, yeah, I love research. All the other students would be just crying over their research papers that they had to do. I was thrilled by it. And so I love to research it. I know, I know. And, and, and research and write. And so as early as high school and then college, it just continued. I wrote for our college paper, our newspaper, and thought I was going to be a broadcast journalist and decided, no, I don't want to do that. I went and got a degree in political science and making a really long story short in um, after my first child, I started writing for our local paper in our city in Knoxville. So I wrote for the Knoxville News Sentinel for quite some time doing feature stories. Oh, interesting. And, huh. Yes, I love that. I love doing feature stories and and um, learning about people of all and all the different things that they're doing and getting to feature what they are doing and learning more about them and reporting it. I did a few other, I did, I think I did one business reporting article and I was like, Yay. <laughs> that wasn't very fun. And so I love feature stories. So it was, it's, I guess I've been a part of something I've done for a really long time. And, um, it wasn't until 10 or so years ago that I started writing for a broader audience besides just my city and that surrounding areas for, on the internet, I guess you could say. And then from there, it's just kind of taken a world of its own. Yeah, it sure has. No, that's really interesting. I think, I think that's such good training to have to, uh, write, uh, well, first of all, for publication, but feature stories where you have to yes. kind of like look at someone's life and what they're doing and, and relay that to readers. It's a, I know I've done it myself. It's a challenge, but it's great training, uh, for when it comes time to write your own story, uh, and your own books. Um, obviously yeah. you write Christian books, right? So it's like, um, you know, at what point did you go, Hey, listen, I, I've done the writing thing, the journalism thing. Um, but I, I want to, uh, use this medium to tell people about God and about the Bible and encourage and inspire. Was there kind of a moment or did you just kind of gradually shift into that? 
No, there was a moment and it was really clear. <laughs> and it was hmm. pretty, it was pretty funny too. I was writing for my, I, I feature stories for my paper and I would write and encourage people just in my, around my area. But then um, I asked my editor if I could write a column because I knew as a feature story, you're reporting. I can't write my opinion. It's I'm writing, right. I'm reporting. That's a different animal. Right. Yeah. It's a different animal. It's totally different. So I asked, okay, I would love to try. Can, can I write a column? And so she said, yes. And I said on, you know, Christian theme. So I wrote on submission, like husbands, wives. Whoa. I was starting in the deep end. <laughs> and, and yeah, I did. I was like, oh, this will be great. I'll write on submission. And uh, it was hilarious. I, people, yeah, it was, it was quite the, quite the, <sighs> quite the um, entry. And I loved it though. I loved it so much. And I knew that I wanted this, I wanted to write from a Christian worldview, Christian perspective from what my heart beats and how my life. And, um, and so from that moment, I started a little webzine, like a women's magazine on the web. And, um, and I did that for not very long before I got picked up by Moody. (laughs) It was, it was really all very quick and sweet of the Lord, but, but yes, so that, that's it. I just, gosh, I can't remember what, seven, eight years ago, decided to write a column. And from there, it just snowballed into, I'm now talking to Drew on <laughs> season two of this podcast. <laughs> no doubt. This is the, the climax of your career. I can tell that you you realize that. <laughs> and I love how it circled back to Moody, because of uh, course, yes. this is a Moody uh, podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, and I know we're, we're all very grateful that you took that chance with Moody. Uh, and we've just gotten so much positive, as you know, so much positive feedback about your books. And you're just one of our favorite authors. Don't tell any of our other authors. I said <laughs> delete, um, delete, delete, <laughs> delete. Yeah, we'll have to edit that out. Uh, you know, one thing that strikes me when I look at your, your books is that you jump around a lot. It's really unusual. You, I mean, and what I mean by that, <laughs> it's not a bad thing, but you just have written in a lot of different genres. I mean, you, you've written Christian Living. Uh, you've written on justice. You have written a kid's book, like I mentioned, um, and a Bible study, which is a completely different format. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's behind that? Is it is that something intentional or uh, something you kind of stumbled into? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's 100% intentional and a hundred percent stumbled upon (laughs) (laughs) because, um, you know, we are called to go and make disciples of all nations and teach them to obey. Right. So there's so Mm. many different ways that we can teach people to obey. And I have a desire for discipleship. I believe that book on justice is a, is still in the Christian living discipleship area. It's not really on, on justice, but it's, it's on the biblical, um, view of, of race and ethnicity and diversity. And yes. so, and so I, I just want to, I really do believe that's a part of discipleship. And so those, hmm. all of my trade books, for those who are keeping up with the genre, uh, the, the, all the, so, <laughs> <laughs> so enjoy and, um, and, and fear and faith united and sacred endurance, those books are all discipleship oriented because that is what that's what we're called to do. 
That's what my heart desires. I desire to disciple. And that is how the Lord is, was teaching me. So I'm taking scripture and applying it to life. And then hmm. for the kids book, th that is a well outside of the range of things that I've ever written before. But I was teaching in my local church a special Sunday school lesson on the beauty of diversity, which is, again, a part of discipleship. And their response to it, I was I just thought, if the Lord will allow, I'm going to try to get this in the hands of many people as as I can to so talk about the image of God. Hmm, and, that's cool. Yes. And so um, so I pitched it to a different publisher and they said yes and took a chance on me <laughs> and this topic. <laughs> and um, and and so, again, that's still discipleship. If you read the book, it's it's quite it's uh, really just the gospel. But <laughs> and then um, right. a Bible study, again, is a different genre, but I, it's a devotional Bible study. So we do both inductive, it's inductive study. So they, they can go and, and learn how to read the scripture and, and um, teach the scripture or, and apply it, etc. But it's also devotional. So if you read the Bible study every, every day for like 30 days or whatever, um, it, you have a, a kind of devotional. So it's both study and devotional. And I, um, again, if we're going to teach people to obey God's word, you're going to have to learn how to, we all need to know how to read it and study it and enjoy it. So that's why I wanted to write a Bible study, which I'm excited to say that I have, um, with Moody, contracted to write two more. So I'm really excited about that. Awesome. Yes. And we're looking forward to that. I, I, I really appreciate what you said about discipleship because I have to admit, I was thinking about these books in sort of different bins, um, but you're absolutely correct. There's no reason to say, okay, this is a discipleship book. And now we're going to talk about issue X as if it's, you know, divorced from the context of discipleship. It's all discipleship, right? Yeah. Well, and, and I try to very intentionally, um, make my books Bible-based because, and so there's, they are um, focused on either a scripture or focused on uh, various scriptures. And my hope and prayers that they're focused on Jesus. And so, so, so yeah. it makes it so that it, it, it is a discipleship oriented um, book. So I don't have, I haven't written a book on one issue um, so much as, how do we walk out our Christian walk given these various things that, so for example, fear and faith, um, which is, was published by Moody. So many, so many of us struggle with fear, which, and throughout hmm. the scriptures we hear fear or not. So how do we apply, how do we fight this fear? What is this, what is this calling look like? And what are, what are, what are we tempted to fear? So, so yeah, it's all kind of, um, under that same umbrella in my mind, though mm -hmm. in on paper and in the bookstores, they're <laughs> all in different genres. <laughs> right, right. You got to hop all over a bookstore yeah. uh, to find Trillia's work, but I think yeah. that's a good Which thing. A good, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> although fewer and fewer bookstores all the time don't get me 
off on that topic because it's just too depressing. I know. Um, yeah. Tell me a little bit. Yeah, I'm curious about um, your process. Uh, you know, once you have a, a contract or a deadline for a book, how do you tackle the project? And what I'm really looking for here is to see if you have any weird routines. <laughs> like, do you go for a walk, hang upside down? I don't know. <laughs> What, what does it look, what does it look like for you? Okay. So I, once I'm getting into it, I will typically try to write in the morning, which is not odd, but something that I do that I realize is pretty special is that I will often go away and do a writing retreat and like, mm. uh, shut everything down. And for a good 48 hours, I am just writing and I will, I will get out and maybe I'll go and see that the sun is still there and <laughs> eat something out. And then I go back in and I'm wherever I am, I'm just writing. And so I try to do these writing retreats at least once a year because it's the easiest way for me to, to get going. I, I, hmm. it's harder for me to write in my home because I, thoroughly distracted. I'm like, Oh, there's some dishes. I think I'll do that. <laughs> it's, right. Yeah. It's totally, or I'll go to something like a whole foods and I'll write and I'll spend maybe like eight hours and write for like a whole day because you can eat and use the restroom and then eat and <laughs> it's all right there. Yes. So, yeah. so my writing isn't like some people who try to write a thousand words a day and I've, I've tried that before and I find it to be a little bit difficult. I instead write almost like bulk, just as many hours in a day oh. and then I go away and then many hours in a day and then I go away. That is really interesting. So you're, yeah, it's more like a sprint rather than a marathon for you. You, you have these sustained times of extreme productivity where you kind of get away and really focus on writing. Yeah. So that's interesting. And I get, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to say part of the reason is because I also work part-time for an organization. I, I'm a mother. Um, so I'm at home. I have a, a different responsibilities in my local church. I'm just, uh, I, so I'll teach a Bible study or something like that. So I have other things going on and I speak. Sure. So I travel. So it's it's harder for me with my kind of random schedule to say, okay, from eight to five every day, I'm going to, I don't have, well, I, there's not many people who have that luxury, but, but I definitely don't. And, and so I only have a few hours in the day to work at all. And, and so I have to, it's, it's easier for this working mom to maybe take a Saturday or, and write all day or, um, or one day in the week and write most of the day and then go do some things and then write the rest of the night um, because of my just kind of random schedule. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I can identify because, yeah, you, you have you're wearing a lot of different hats, right? And especially when you have kids, I think a lot of people envision authors 
kind of waking up every day and, <laughs> and going into their uh, beautiful office overlooking a lake and tapping away. You know? uh, but of course, for most of us, <laughs> we've got all kinds of things going on. And writing is something that you have to squeeze in. You have to make space for it. Uh, in your case, by you know dedicating days uh, to get away on a little bit of a writer's retreat. So that, I t that totally makes sense to me. Uh, what for you is the most gratifying part of the writing process? I mean, is it is it the actual writing? You mentioned you love research. Is it when you start to interact with the readers? What what yeah. what part of it really makes it worthwhile for you? Okay, so I learn something every. T I don't come to my books as an expert. <laughs> I learn. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I learn something new every. So I do love research. I just I'm getting excited thinking about it. I I learn something new <laughs> every time I read God's word every time I uh, approach or, or start and start thinking and, and evaluating a different topic. So I just, it thrills me how much it affects me and how much I learn and grow from my own study and writing. Um, and I am, I enjoy writing. I, I don't enjoy writing. <laughs> I guess some people I do. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just think I love that moment when it's done. It's so, it's just hard. It's so hard to write. And so, oh. and so it, when it's done, it's just so rewarding. Oh, it's done. And then you, of course, you're like, oh, it was the worst thing ever. I'm a terrible writer. I, uh, and then the Lord uses our, terrible efforts for his glory and the good of people. And <laughs> it's amazing. So I, I do enjoy also, um, hearing feedback, how the Lord is using our, my work. And, and the, the, the truth is, is that I know that if I spent 10 years on something, it might, it, it, it might be, awesome or it just might not i'm just it, it just takes a lot of work to write effectively and yet the lord uses uses it and so i'm grateful for that and that to me has been one of the most rewarding parts of writing is to hear how hmm. someone who had cancer um was helped by fear and faith, which I've heard a lot about and, or how a kid who, um, doesn't speak English can enjoy God's very good idea because it's in Spanish. And it's just amazing hmm. what the Lord has been, is doing. And I, I'm, I'm so honored to be a part. Isn't that cool? It is cool. Yeah. And it is an act of faith because, yeah, it takes a long time to write a book, a lot of effort. Then there's the rewriting. Um, and then, of course, the publisher takes it and sits on it for a year. Yeah. No, not quite, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it's a long game, right? And so, but it, all the while, you're hoping that God uses it. You're hoping it connects with people. And then it is, I agree, very gratifying when you hear those stories back from people who have been impacted by your words. Um, and I, oh, I, I hear you about the writing process. It's hard. I mean... I get worried, frankly, when I hear from people, they say, Drew, writing just flows for me. It's easy. You know, I just love it. And I go, ah, I wonder. <laughs> and maybe that's true. Okay. Maybe there are some freaks out there for whom writing is so easy. Uh, but I tend to think, oh, you might not be, you know, really going through the whole 
process of all the rewriting, which of course writing is I was about to ask, do you have an editor? Has anyone ever given you any feedback? <laughs> yeah, that's a red flag because I agree. Writing in itself is, um, I mean, like I, I forget who said it, but the quote is, I like having written, you know, rather oh, than yes. writing. Yes. You know, it's, it's great when it's done, but writing itself, it's like, well, it's kind of like hitting your head against the wall. It feels good when you stop. Yes, right? Yes, <laughs> um, yes. And so, yeah, that that's really interesting and definitely resonates with my own experience. Um, now, the last question I wanted to ask just about your uh, about the writing process itself. And I'm sure you get approached all the time. I know I do just being in the publishing world by people who want to write as well. Yeah. Um, what's your one piece of advice for uh, aspiring writers? Sit down, write 1000 words and send it to someone or see what happens. Here's the thing. I am mm. asked constantly or I am told that. I really want to write. I want to be a writer. I can't wait to write. And I challenge them, send me a thousand words. I think about two people have ever done it. Wow. Yeah. Because writing <laughs> is hard. And right. everyone, I think you, people have this romanticized view of writing, but it takes work and research and it's hard. And so I, I think that, um, that's what I would encourage them. I wouldn't, there's lots of other things to say, but if you aren't willing to sit down and actually just write, then you probably need to pray about whether or not this is really something you want to do or whether you think you want to do it because Amen. it looks a certain way. Um, writing can oftentimes be lonely and, and there's a lot more that I could say. So, so I would just say, sit down and write and then reevaluate. I love that advice. It's so good. Yeah. I, one thing that continually surprises me about my role, I'm an acquisitions editor, right? And so I get people all the time, Drew, I got this great book idea. Um, and I love that. I love hearing about it because that's my job. Yeah. Uh, and my response is always the same. Hey, get me a proposal. Yes. <laughs> and I'm amazed <laughs> like you uh, have experienced how few people, and of course, uh, a proposal is even harder than writing a thousand words because they're kind so of beasts, tedious. right? With, yes. <laughs> So tedious, and yet they're so worth yes. it. You go through that, and then it's it good. makes the book writing itself a little easier. Absolutely. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> but I'm amazed how few people will actually follow up. And then yeah. I had some people go, "Oh, I don't want to write a proposal. I just want to. I just want to write a book." And I'm like, "Okay, well, unfortunately, that's kind of the process." So, right. yeah, the idea of writing is very romantic and awesome, and yet, yeah, if you if you don't want to do the work. You're right. Uh, you may want to reevaluate whether you really want to be a writer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, and, and, thank you so much. Oh. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, no, go ahead. Oh, and the other thing is, is I, um, yeah. It, and it's, it's writing a book is they're typically what? 40 to 60,000 words. Yeah. That's typical, typical 40 to 60,000 words. And so I think some, I don't think people understand <laughs> just how many words that is. It's, and, and what it, it's just a lot. And so I encourage everyone who thinks they want to be a writer to write. I, I would never squash someone's desire or dream. I just don't know that people actually want to be writers. Yeah, that's well said. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, if any, like the expression goes, writers write. So if you are a writer, if you're going to be one, uh, you will be drawn to it and you will do the writing. And of course you have to. 
Well, thank you. That's really helpful. I think a lot of people, um, you know, even in the back of their minds, they go, you know, I've always kind of felt called to that impulse to write. And that's really good advice. Uh, okay, so we got a segment uh, that we're calling the big picture. And this is uh, just where we zoom out a little bit and discuss a topic that's related to what we just talked about. And in this case, I wanted to ask you a little bit about the topic and get ready. It's a, it's a, it's a topic that people don't love to discuss, or it has sort of a cloud over it, I feel like, but it's just this platform and influence. So, you know, being a writer is more than just sitting by yourself. Of course, it's this as well. But tapping on your computer uh, and going through the writing process. There's also an aspect of it, especially these days, where you have to connect personally with an audience. And um, this is part of the um, uh, of the reality. On my end of the world, uh, we're, we're looking as publishers at an author. We go, okay, who is this person connecting with? Are they speaking? Are they teaching? Uh, are they on social media? That kind of stuff. Um, so I wanted to ask you a little bit about that. Um, how, and you have, you have a great platform, uh, you're, you're well known, especially in certain sectors of the church. Uh, first of all, I would love to hear your thoughts on how you handle that just at a heart level. How do you handle that sort of influence? Yeah. So I don't think I realized that I had influence at all until I, I said something on Twitter and it ended up in NPR. And I thought, oh, wow. yeah, it put the fear of the Lord in me. And that's how <laughs> I handled it. <laughs> I just, it, and I, I say that and laugh, but I'm totally serious. I, I think that mm. one of the things that has happened as my influence or my platform has grown is that my fear of the Lord has grown with it because I have to, I, I need to be mindful of what I say. I'm an ambassador to the Lord. I'm also, hmm. I, I represent my my church in some ways. I represent my family. I represent um, the organizations that I connect with and work with. So I, I'm just, I'm not on my own. I don't want to, and I never want to. I want to be, hmm. I don't want to feel like it's the Trillia show because it's not. I I want God to shine. And so, um, so it, it just puts the fear of the Lord in me. And, and one, it's affected maybe how quickly I'll speak about things. I've had to pray and think about it and decide, okay, what, what am I actually passionate about? speak about those things. And, um, and so, so it's, it's been for me, a, a kind of sobering reality, um, that not, it's not, it's, I guess some people may think, oh, big platform, fun, fun, yay. But for, it's not, it's like, okay, people <laughs> listening, I, this, I, I need to be aware of that. People will listen. People will follow. People are going to take what I say seriously. And, um, and I want to, and I've said this before, I want to take myself not seriously, but take God seriously. So I, I'm a jo joker and goofball. I, I mean, I post things about dancing because that's my life. That's who I am. Yeah. <laughs> but I also do um, experience a bit of the fear of the Lord, knowing that I have to give an account for every word spoken. That's great. And I love the idea that it's not just you 
out there. You are a representative not only of Christ, but of your church, of the the organizations uh, that you're affiliated with. Uh, so there is accountability yeah. um, and a recognition that it's not just reflecting um, on you. Is there anything that keeps you balanced? Because I mean, yeah, when you're when you're out there, you're speaking to hundreds, even thousands of people, uh, seeing a lot of engagement with your stuff online. What kind of pulls you in and goes, you know, makes you go, hey, I don't want to get a big head here. Yeah. Well, <laughs> one, my husband, he won't let me. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I actually, I have a, a husband who's not involved in um, ministry so far as he, he, our family does some stuff together, but we're, he's not, he's a real estate appraiser. He does market research for hospitals. So he's not involved, thank God, because I really do believe that having that, that allows for balance because he's able to, um, he's, he's not a, what is it called? A receptor of people or a respecter. Of people, I don't know where he doesn't, he doesn't look. Yeah. He just he doesn't even know who DA Carson is, for example. He doesn't know who Don Carson is. So he's not going to be given to idol idolizing people in worship. I'll tell him, oh, I spoke to so and so, and he's like, Oh, that's cool. He just doesn't care. So in in so far as he's not gonna worship, he cares, but he's not he's not going to idolize, which I'm grateful for. Another way that helps is I'm just involved in my local church. I really think that helps because they're not they I'm just like I'll greet at my door at the church door. I do really normal, ordinary things in my neighborhood and in my local cool. church. And so I do think that that ordinary, everyday, faithful Christians walk, what I would do without a platform is what I need to do with a platform. And it helps keep me grounded and no normal because I am normal. Anyways, I am. I mean, like it's even if, 50,000 people followed whatever. I'm still just really normal <laughs> and ordinary. And so <laughs> I so I I I just walk that out in my Christian life like a person, like I'm a person, you know? <laughs> I don't even does that make yeah. sense? It totally makes sense. Okay. And I love that. It's yeah, and, and keeping grounded by being involved in the local church and not just in like, you know, platform visible yeah. capacities and then to have that, um, in your case, your husband, someone who can kind of pull you back and go, oh, I don't even know who that person is. Not that they're being dismissive, but they're not caught up in that world. Uh, you know, I think of for myself, that's that's my wife, Grace. Yeah. She's not on social media. And so it's awkward because I have to read her my tweets that I think are particularly <laughs> clever. <laughs> and she doesn't even appreciate it half the time. Um, <laughs> but yeah, she goes, oh, who's that? You know, it's like, um, or I remember... Uh, at one point I interviewed Tim Keller for a, a piece and um, I went to my parents, I was hanging with my parents. And I thought, oh, they'll be impressed by this. Hey, guess what? I got to interview Tim Keller. And they were like, oh, who's that? Yeah. Sounds familiar. Yes. You know, they, there's kind of like this faint recognition. And even though my dad was a pastor for like 40 years, um, you know, he just didn't, wasn't aware of who he was. And I found it kind of refreshing because I was like, oh yeah, we, we forget sometimes that even the people that are incredibly prominent within our little evangelical bubble, <laughs> right? They're outside of that often, uh, Unknown. people don't have, yeah, a, a recognition. And that's not to, you know, belittle anyone. It's just to say, 
even, you know, all this celebrity stuff is a little silly, you know, yes. even when someone's really well known, it may last a generation, you know, as I've seen with my parents, and then there's like a whole new set of, of folks that are prominent. Yes, so it's, just, you, it's refreshing to be reminded of that. Yeah, no, you nailed one of the other ways is that I realize. <laughs> okay, on Twitter, I don't know, I may have what 26 or so Twitter, well, I don't know how much I have. But the world is 7 billion people. Right. <laughs> so, and most of them aren't on Twitter. <laughs> yes. And so it is a massive world. And though with, I want to steward what God has given me really well. I want to steward it well. I want to honor him in it. It's small compared to the world. And so I think right. that also kind of helps is that I realize that I'm, I'm just not that big. I'm not big, like people think, see, people will say and joke with me, oh, look at you, you're growing, whatever. And I'll, I'll just, I'll just think, you know, there's 7 billion people. I know that in the, in maybe our, our small evangelical circle, this only this one, I, um, people may know my work and thank God for that because I, I pray that people are served by it. But I realize that it is a small percentage of those who are Christians in the world. And so I think that helps me, um, just to rem kind of stay grounded that there's so many people and um, I remember I did a feature story actually on John Piper at, for the Knoxville News Sentinel. I interviewed him and I interviewed him for Father's Day. And I remember reading some of the comments and some were like, who is this random guy and who cares? And I mean, they just, <laughs> John who? Yeah, they just did yeah. not care. And I was so <laughs> thrilled. And I still, I love uh, Pastor John and, you know, but, but they didn't care. And so, so it's just a good, it's, you know, it keeps you humble to remind yourself that we're a small part of God's big world doing good things, but it's small. And, um, and, and, and so it's, it's, we're not as big as we, even those who think they're big, we're not, we're just not as big as we think we are. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. little perspective yeah. definitely helps. Um, last section that um, I wanted to do here, uh, which we're calling have a little heart. And this fits in with the theme of season two, which is loving and serving our neighbors, um, where we talk about one tangible way that we or someone else is doing this. Um, and I saw something uh, pop up on your social media, speaking of social media, mm -hmm. that I thought uh, really fit along these lines, um, a website, and I'll let you explain to listeners what this is, but I thought it was really cool. Yes, okay, so my family, we have started a little boutique called SJ Boutique, and I'm so thrilled about it. We are partnering with the Abumarava Cooperative in Rwanda, which are artisans who are um, who make jewelry and they make other things. But we're going to start with selling their jewelry. And they had been praying that they would be able to expand their market and their network. And we are th <laughs> we didn't know that, so we're thrilled to be able to partner with them and to to help expand and continue to grow their businesses. And these, these women in, in particular, I got to meet when I visited Rwanda in October. Um, and uh, they are 
some of the just humble and gentle and encouraging and inspiring and they they're so resourceful and so if when i came home and told my husband about my experience he wanted to to support them and and thus sj boutique was born but something kind of unique and fun about it is that we have um kind of given ownership to it for my daughter now of course it's under my name legally (laughs) but she we wanted yeah yeah yeah. so but she we wanted our our kids to be a part of this and to kind of understand what entrepreneurship looks like how to serve those who um maybe don't have as much and or who are in places like rwanda and and so how to build businesses and teach them what poverty uh, alleviation looks like. And so we we are thrilled because our whole family is involved in Sydney. My daughter um, owns the shop. So SJ stands for Sydney Jean, and she's helped pick out the logo. It's been just so fun. Oh, that is so it's cool. So I love how, yeah, you're all in it together. And what a great cause. And I saw the video and the jewelry is beautiful. You've got a, a client right here because my wife loves jewelry. Oh, and nice. <laughs> um, that, yeah, that's perfect. So I was grateful to be aware of that. Yeah, again, sjboutique.net. Is that right? That's it. sjboutique.net. Yeah. Thank you. Please, people, check it out. Buy some jewelry, beautiful jewelry, and an awesome, awesome cause. Well, I think we're going to wrap it up right there. We're at about time. Uh, but truly, I just want to thank you again for a great conversation and sharing your insights and your experience as a writer uh, with our listeners. Uh, again, folks, if you want to check out her books, and please do, they're excellent. Uh, a few of them, United, uh, Captured by God's Vision for Diversity, There's Fear and Faith, which I'm halfway through right now, and it's excellent. Uh, God's Very Good Idea, that's the children's uh, book. And If God is for Us, a Bible study on Romans 8, and her most recent book, Sacred Endurance. So uh, thank you, Trillia. And for listeners, um, uh, I just want to encourage you to please help us out by going on uh, Apple podcasts and leaving a review that helps a ton if you can just give us a review even if it's a four star or five star those are preferable uh but that kind of bumps us up in the algorithm and and makes us a little more visible otherwise it's kind of the tree falling in the forest Um, but thank you for being with us thank you for listening and until next time keep reading